There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about state ownership of football clubs should the government put a block on it. We take a look at Reading after they were hit with a second points deduction, that's 16 points in two years. Are points deductions an effective deterrent? Harry Maguire's mum has come out in defence of her son, saying the criticism has gone far beyond football. Simon's not having it. And we're joined in the studio by featherweight boxers Lee Wood and Josh Warrington, who fight in Sheffield on October the 7th. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. We know that leading Premier League clubs have now asked the government, the UK government, to block nation states from owning clubs. So Premier Mm. League clubs, very nervous about this, are saying to our own government, how about you getting into the fray here and blocking nation states from owning clubs. There has been a long consultation process with stakeholders in the English game regards the powers of a regulator. Now, that's one thing. But you do offer a couple of potential solutions in this. But can I ask you, first of all, can you take control of the situation after the event? As I said, we've seen they're in. They're in here already. And they have every right to be. And many players are going to Saudi to play their football. But... Is this the time to block state ownership of football clubs? Because how many is too many? One is too many. But they're already in. They're under the door and they're in. It's a trend that we probably need to arrest. I don't think most sensible football club owners uh, will want to see nation states with no particular parameter around what they spend and how they operate owning football clubs. The landscape has changed. We've got a globalised world and we have to accept what comes with it. You open the door to globalisation and now look at the landscape of who owns our football clubs. Always makes me slightly sad, not because I'm a little Englander, but because why other people can see the vision of the assets in this country and we as uh, English owners can't is a different dynamic, but that's the nature of the beast and that's the world that we now live in. But when you've got this agenda, and it's nothing xenophobic or any particular bias towards it, I just think when you've got... A nation state, and it's a ridiculous veneer that was put up around the PIF acquisition of Newcastle. I don't care who likes it or who doesn't like it. The nation state 
the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia owns Newcastle United through its investment vehicle, PIF. Through with, its, e- with endless through, funds. With endless funds. And that comes with a consequence and a challenge. And I've made the observation slightly tritely the other day that the Saudis tried to pirate English football, which is what they did, which is why the dispute in, in the initial place between Newcastle being bought by them was the main fundamental thing, because it was clear that they were pirating the deal that was done with BN. That's why they paid them a billion pound compensation, and as soon as they did, off come the shackles of buying Newcastle United. And then the other side of it, now they tried to buy English football clubs, and pref- preferably if they could, they would like to own a piece of the Premier League, but it's not going to work that way for them. So now they're going to go about it a, perhaps a different way, which is build up their own leagues and create a particular brand of chaos for the advancement of what they want. Now, I've got no issue, none whatsoever, with the Saudis building their league, investing in their league, and fulfilling the ambitions of the 36 million people that live in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that are currently turning up at 6,800 a game. I'm quite happy for them to develop their football. What I fear for, and what I think people at Masters, who I describe as central management inside the Premier League, which is their correct um, uh, title, should be more uh, 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 more focused on, is making sure that this doesn't have a negative effect on how the Premier League and leagues like it have built up a position, not because they have a God-given right to maintain it, but n- they also shouldn't allow it to be undermined. No, you also say... Maybe we need to show some teeth to prevent further acquisitions, Saudi acquisitions of yeah. Premier League clubs. How do you do that? Well, I think ultimately there was an agenda amongst the Premier League clubs, and I thought the Premier League had already passed this regulation that there would be no further nation states. Well, so I, don't, I, don't, about... I, don't, I don't know what you're looking to the government for. What are the bleeding government going to do? It's none of their business. Well, you say, look, we've got to cement the principle that nation states cannot own English clubs. How do you do? I, I, I agree. I, well, I see you what you're saying. It. I mean, I mean, you don't. But how do you? But how do you? But you don't. You don't have. You don't. You don't allow this. Re- ridiculous charade that's been portrayed at Newcastle. It's done now. The deal's been done. We've all moved on from that. But that's a nation state. That's a nation state. In America, they don't like it. They don't allow. That's why the Senate is debating the acquisition of the PGA through Live, because they don't like it, because they don't want people coming in with different agendas than sport, with a different motivation, and from a different starting point, and buying what they consider to be institutional societal assets that belong to the country that these people are trying to invest in. I get that, but uh, let's say if we're talking... So stop six, it. Let's say you cement that principle. Stop it. Let's yeah. say you cement it 24 hours from now. That's it. No more nation-state ownership. And on we go with life in the Premier League. Sure. That gives Manchester City and Newcastle a monopoly. That's well, not a duopoly. But that's, like, but that's like saying, because Chelsea were early adopters of this ridiculous philosophy that Abramovich put in, which is spray cash around indiscriminately, some people would say capitalism, and some people would say that this is the business that you're in, and ultimately you should be able to invest. And I get that argument too, to a point. But then people would say, well, hang on a second, Abramovich had five years of being able to do precisely what he wants, Man City come in, and they get caught by financial fair play three years later, and all they did was precisely what Chelsea did. Chelsea got an early adopter, an early innovator situation, but the world evolves. The legislation changes that's the nature of the beast but if you then start if you start to move towards a control mechanism that actually underpins a excluding certain purchasing mentalities and b the governance that then manages these leagues properly so that you have to have some teeth in your financial fair play or your controls over the industry which the regulator may have if the regulator comes in i doubt it but we'll see yeah um and then you've got a, a, a better landscape for the sustainability of football which was the purpose not this machiavellian threat that people believe it was was to keep the status quo in place so no matter, let's say for for talking to again say you're richard masters today at the, at the top of the the premier league there's a very real danger of two clubs be- becoming three clubs because manchester united could end up qatari owned 
So you'd introduce this now, would you? Again, no more nation state well, the, ownership, the, and that's that cuts the Qataris out. But the Qataris, the Qatari ownership, the, the the individuals that were involved in that are categorically trying to suggest that the money that they have is legitimate, privately generated wealth and has nothing to do with the government. Do you think or, it is? No, I don't. I think, of course, it's government money, and I think the Premier League has got to work a bit harder to be able to make sure that if it is private investments, it's private investment because they just fell away. But everybody knows they just fell away. Anybody that's got half a brain knows that Newcastle United, this idea that there's a, there's a letter from, from the PIF fund saying it's a separation between Mohammed bin Salman's ownership or, or his, his sovereignty in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the, pri, pri, the, 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 the public investment fund that own Newcastle. And they just decided to back down from that. Now, they've got to change their legislation, they've got to change their principles. I don't quite understand what they're recruiting the government to do and where they think the government's going to get involved in this and what they think the government's... I mean, you've got Middle Eastern ownership of so many different businesses in this country. Mm. I, the only thing you could say is that football is a heritage business and should be tra perhaps treated slightly differently because of its societal values. Yeah. But then you've opened the door to global investment in yeah. every way. The problem is, Simon, if nation-state-owned clubs like Manchester City and Newcastle United and maybe soon to come Manchester United operate within FFP rules then what's it to complain well, about? We will see how that plays out. We've not seen any evidence that there's a particular inclination for them to do that or to want to do that. And we'll see how that plays out. But again, if you take away the principle in the first place, I'm not naive. I do recognise that with extreme wealth there comes an opportunity to find a way. And the article yeah. isn't just about suggesting that the Saudis are the devil incarnate. It's yeah. not doing that at all. Yeah. It's saying this this culture in the Western media, building them up to be the, the, the biggest problem in the world of football, for me, has pros and cons to it. And we need to evaluate their challenges because their challenges are, if they think they're going to build a league based upon players, there's only a few players in the world that can actually become bigger than a football club in terms of digital following. Ronaldo's one, Neymar may be another, but they're the exception. Yeah. Their problem is how they're going to build a league when they've got proper football clubs to compete against and then they've got governance coming their way if they want to play at the big table. Actually, to say in the Saudi theme, uh, Saudi chairman at Newcastle United, Yasser Al-Rumayan, who I met after the Carabao Cup, he has uh, said in uh, the, the last uh, hours that Eddie Howe, no, fine. He retains full backing uh, of us all here at Newcastle United. Why did he say it? Did he need to say it? The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This Saturday, 3 o'clock, League One, Reading are at home to Bolton. Why am I telling you that? Reading have been hit with a second points deduction this season. The club has now been docked 16 points in less than two years. And the alarm bells are ringing. Of that, there's no doubt. The EFL say continues to acknowledge the negative impact that sporting sanctions are having on the football club. Yep. Uh, they said the owner, Dai Yong, Chinese uh, owner Dai Yong, completed his takeover of the club in 2017, is continuing to seek external investment with, quotes, the aim of mitigating the risk of cash flow complications arising forward, yeah. in the future. This doesn't sound too healthy, does it? How long can this go on? You dot points once and then an, for a second time. 16 points in two years. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal for Reading as a football club. It's not ideal for their fan base. And the consequences of it, I've seen them, I've seen them relegated, hasn't it? I've seen them going from at one point under Paul Ince, like they were going upwards to a club that's gone remarkably backwards. There are differing offences that they've been, um, they've had problems with. The initial offences that Reading were was a massive overspend that they seemed to, well, they didn't seem to, they absolutely ignored 
the reality of financial fair play and governance around their wage bills, and their wage bills were absolutely outrageous in comparison to what was happening in the league that they were in. I think their wage bills were 110% of turnover, and eventually they got themselves sanctioned. Now they're on the polar end, other end of the particular spectrum, which is rather than throwing money around like it's going out of fashion, they don't have any money to throw around, and they're trying to restructure themselves. Um, and as a result of it, they're falling foul of different regulations inside the EFL, um, uh, about security of cash and ability to meet their obligations going forward. And you've got an owner turning around and saying he's having difficulties. What's the what's the better what's the better alternative? Chuck himself into administration so he has difficulties no more, or try and find a solution. The argument could be how many sanctions can you put on this football club? Well clearly the fella stopped overspending on wages. Clearly the fella now is trying to recalibrate the football club and his ownership of it in a different fashion. So the lessons have been learned about how you don't spend, and that may well be simply because he hasn't got the means to do it anymore, yeah, yeah. but notwithstanding it, they don't do it or they're not doing it. So it's a difficult one to juggle because the Football League itself has 72 clubs. They've all decided that the best meth message for uh, sanctioning football clubs is points. And this is what the Football League has as a gift on the way in the owner would have would have been through fit and proper person's tests because circumstances change. There's no way that you're ever going to be able to stop an owner buying a football club that at one point in his life is incredibly well financially healed like I was, and then 10 years later a banking crisis comes along and all of a sudden the landscape changes. And all of a sudden you've got a different landscape with a different owner with a different economic position in the same way that you had with Mel Morris. In the same way, no one would have stopped Mel Morris ever walking through the door at Derby County, neither should they have done, right. because he was a very, very well-respected businessman, very successful, motivated by wanting to make Derby County uh, uh, you know, successful on the pitch, and had enormous resources the world turns all of a sudden the landscape is very different mm. and people will say yes Mel, Mel Morris made t decisions that ultimately put him himself in that position and we can all get that yeah. and all those people that yeah. never have to make a decision can say those things very easily but the point is to answer your question what should they do what should it be well they've decided amongst themselves that, uh, amongst the 72 clubs that the rules that constitute the consequences for this sort of behaviour are clear and Trevor Birch and Rick Parry and whoever else are amongst it Nick Craig are enforcing these regulations and hopefully what happens is reading straighten up and fly right rather than the, an owner that's been ridiculous in his ownership model yeah. I mean who we all can be well, a bit loose and fast at times but who would want to suggest that paying 110% of your turnover in wages is anything bordering upon sensible I, I don't know what your well, I've got a good idea what your answer will be but surely this is another reason why football needs an independent regulator <coughs> To, keep, what, to take what control. What, what would it be that the independent regulator does? Any different well, I, to what well, the football league that does? Or the, the EFL itself helps this Chinese owner uh, to find a solution? It can't. It can't. Well, we're going to have a road. Well, it can keep on finger wagging and sanctioning. But it can because that's the only thing it's got. Or it can tighten up the rules and turn around and say, as a, as a result of the 72 football clubs' wishes, we are now going to give you a three strike and you're out rule. If that's what we think is better, I said direction. Reading could be. If you're that's what in. they think is better, yeah. To Reading fans, that will not be better, yeah. And if that's better, then that's a decision that they'll make. But the independent regulator isn't the panacea <laughs> for curing all ails. Yeah, they are still going to have to operate, and, and they're not going to be able to see going forward. Actually, I can forecast what's going to happen to Simon Jordan or Mel Morris or whoever else in ten years' time. Are you kidding me? With the kind of people you get inside regulators, look at what we've got in Offgem. Look at what we've got in Ofcom. Look at these clowns. Look at how they operate. You think you're going to get anything better in a football regulator because it's football? 
No, what you're going to get is you're going to get a, a more expensive model of regulation because football is la-la land for finances. All right. So with that in mind, now the independent regulator is not going to solve this. In fact, they'll probably make it worse with their ridiculous licensing fees and their, and their designs of how they're going to build boards and how you have to ratchet up your board when you go up a league, but you don't have to ratchet it down when you come down a league. Nonsense. But football deserves a regulator. That's the other side of the argument. It deserves it. And the Premier League bloody deserves it. What do you mean? Well, they, you know, this idea that a regulator is going to advance football is stupid. But because football is being stupid about their failure to address and head it off at the pass, mm. they're going to get one probably. Right. And then when they've got it, I guarantee you, if I still have the misfortune of sitting across a desk with you in five years' time, I'll be sat again. I told you. I told you what was going to happen. I bet the, the regulators are out there this morning. I bet they're delighted to be told that they're clowns in your eyes. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Harry Maguire facing a lot of uh, criticism at the moment. Some of it from uh, pundits, but I suppose pundits, uh, that's why they're there. Uh, there's one message that's come in. Maguire. Which, which pundits? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> Maguire says this uh, listener this morning. The biased gobby views of Rockers fans and journalists or the considered knowledge of long-term planning of Southgate and his coaching staff. I know which one. I would be listening and to. And that's fine. And though all those biased and gobby journalists that will now have their mental health being challenged because they've been called that by someone is, you know, something for them to worry about. Yeah. Everyone's got an opinion. I just don't understand this narrative that's being peddled through various sources, and you'll have another one in a minute, that somehow pundits have taken it beyond the pale with Harry Maguire. I don't understand that. No, and I don't see that either. Uh, but you were saying... As and when you can, get through a bump in the road mm. on your own. Yesterday, you got a message from somebody in football who's saying that Harry's family will be pl- pretty distraught I did. I did. about what is going on at this time. Well, that's certainly in the case because Kane mentioned it in his bulletin. In the last few moments, uh, Zoe Maguire, mum of Harry, has popped out a message. On Instagram, I think it is, Luke. Yeah, on Instagram. And Zoe says, as a mum, 
seen the kind, uh, the level of negative and abusive comments which my son is receiving from some fans, pundits and the media is disgraceful and totally unacceptable to any walk of life, never mind someone who works his socks off for club and country. I was there in the stand as usual. It's not acceptable what's been created over mm. nothing. So Zoe then goes on to say, Mum of Harry, I understand that in the football world there are ups and downs, positives, negatives, but what Harry receives has gone far beyond football. Okay. For me, seeing him go through what he's going through is not okay. I would hate... To, to see any other parents or players go through this in the future, especially young boys and girls breaking through the ranks today. Mm-hmm. He has uh, a massive heart and it's a good job. He's mentally strong and can handle it as others may not be able to do. I wish this sort of abuse on nobody, Okay, says Harry's mum. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Look, I mean, it's her son. She's entitled to, to write whatever she wants. I'm not entirely sure Zoe would have been writing something when Harry's career was in ascent and everyone was saying how wonderful he was. I don't remember her writing for her gratitude for all those people that were eulogising and waxing lyrical. This is a moment in time that only Harry Maguire can overcome. And if you remember back in 1998 when David Beckham came back from the World Cup as public enemy number one, it was his performances. You had people putting out uh, dummies that were being lynched at football stadiums, none of it particularly palatable, but he came back as the country's prime enemy as a result of that situation in the Argentinian game. And what David Beckham did was overcome it by his performances. And that's what Harry Maguire will have to do. I'm not, I'm, I'm troubled by this constant ability for people to, to use feelings over facts. We have it in every walk of life, whether it's racism or whether it's, I feel this, so it must be that. I feel that, so it must be this. Which particular pundits are Gareth Southgate, Harry Maguire's mother, and whoever else referring to? Not because I have a guilty conscience because I said he turns like an ocean liner because his performances weren't at a particularly good level, or because I think he's a mediocre centre-half. Those are just opinions. Which particular pundits are we talking about? Which particular section of the media have taken this beyond observation about his performances and turned it into abuse? Because that's what I'd like to... And if they have, then they should be reprimanded because I'm not, not seeing it. Yeah, the but, football fans, it's the football fans that have jumped upon it in the way that football fans do and they've used it as a weapon to be able to diminish Harry Maguire because Harry Maguire being diminished in a game will help the seat opposition play well against them. The Man United fans that started this particular booing of their own captain, have a look at yourselves. But, but no one, no one will do it. That it takes a lot more flight than any other defender right now in the game. From whom? You mean people... We just mentioned them. His own fans. Manchester United fans started this. Well, then then, then let's call it for what it is. Because Southgate wouldn't do it. And and I'm a father, and I wouldn't want my children to be in a situation when they're in a public domain, but I would price it into my thinking that I never complained when I was on this ridiculous ascent to this ludicrous lifestyle that footballers now have beyond the pale of their talents but because it's the economic landscape that football has they take all of those upsides and now the downsides I don't like it I said it the other day this booing of Harry Maguire is not right but this criticism of him being picked when he's not a regular at Manchester United and having the same standards deployed to him as other people don't this criticism of his performances that is the territory of being a highly paid highly recognised highly rewarded highfalutin footballer that's the price on the ticket now where is Besides the fans, where is this abuse that we're being told exists? Because I, I want to see it, and if I can see it, I'll shut my trap. But I can't see it. All I can see is people saying, 
he's an average defender? Because I think he is. Am I not allowed to say that? Is someone not allowed to say it? Is that personal? Did I say he was stupid and ugly and gormless and a worthless blot on the landscape? No one said that. But it does happen in social media and it does happen in terraces because that's the nature of the beast. And that you cannot price into the thinking. That's why I think it is wrong that people, once he's been picked, once he's playing for your team, what would be the purpose of booing him? It's destructive. But unfortunately, it's the way of the world and you can't have all this wonderful yeah, but upside. Be, but it shouldn't be the way of the world. You say, but I, unfortunately, Jim, people it's the shouldn't way of the, the world. People shouldn't boo the national anthem. People shouldn't do a lot of things in life. The bottom line is, is that you've got to be able to find your way through it because at the end of the day, the values that you have, the things that are important to you, the things that you know in your soul are important to you, like your family and those around you and those that you know know you as an individual and your, and your strength of character will get you through. I understand mm. why his mother feels a necessity to do this because she's watching her son and she probably feels this is inherently unfair. What ha- if he's got a good heart, that's fantastic. So he should have. People shouldn't have bad hearts. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is if, if, if we are talking, like Southgate did the other day, about people in the media, people that should know better saying things that are beyond the professional pale of reasonable conduct, let's have these people called out. And you know why they won't call them out, Jim? Because they can't point to it because it's not true. And I'm not getting all pious about it because I'm defending my own particular pitch because they can't point to it. So they just they do it in the abstract. They turn around and say, on this homogenised mass, the media, because all the media is the same, apparently. Who are these people? And what is it that they've said? And who are who is it that's saying the wrong things? And then we can all look at it and go, you know what? That's a fair observation because I think most people, besides those that suddenly want to fall in line, go, oh yes, let's all jump on now the Harry, Harry Maguire bandwagon for feeling sorry for him, which there'll be a lot of those about. I can assure you, who well, have been equally critical, will say. But who I'm just, are we talking about? I'm just looking at it as a mum, seeing the level of negative and abusive comments which my son is receiving from some fans, pundits, and the media. It's disgraceful, totally unacceptable. I mean, when you get flack at at Palace, on occasions, in your time as an owner, your old mum must have been disappointed. She was. She sat in a football stadium next to me in the first season I had Palace, absolutely doing my brains in economic, listening to a bunch of Palace fans calling me an effing this and an effing that. Right, and I'm sat there listening to thinking, hang on. Well, then it's unacceptable. But I would, if my mum, and that's what Harry's mum's point now. But it's price on the ticket, and it's my business. Is it though? It's I'm. Why do we accept that that's the price on the ticket? Because to be to be unrealistic. I remember when he was manager at Blackburn, Steve Keane's wife. It got so bad she had to go and walk out. No, I don't think it's ideal. But let's get it right. Let's compartmentalise it. Let's point at where it is. Who is doing this? Where's it coming from? Is a pundit's only job in life to turn around and say when someone's wonderful? Is that their only job? Because I tell you what, that's the kind of media that's going to create nothing for no one. If you can't be honest, if you can't call something for what it is, if this is the media's responsibility, if this is punditry and the media, as is being uh, as being alluded to by Zoe, let's point out who and which media we're talking about. Because if we're talking about someone like me saying he's mediocre, crying out loud, is that what we're talking about? If we're talking about me, someone who says like he turns like an ocean liner because he's slow in a game. Is that what we're talking about? But one thing I would say, family members. Get over this it. This is his mum. Get what you say, get, get over, over it. it. He's a man. She's got every right, if she so chooses, she has, and she's chosen to call it out. She has got every because right. Because it's her son. She's, she has every right she's to She's seen getting abused. She has every right. Alex and, Bruce did it on this show she, when Steve Bruce was coming I in know for it is. flight. And it's very difficult not to. But the bottom line is, is that what does it achieve? Does it help? Do you think, knowing what we know, that all of a sudden all these black-hearted 
devils incarnate there in the media world that are just waiting for their next opportunity to ridicule her son that's suddenly going to have a change of heart. All these football fans are going, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm telling you what, I wish I'd never said a rude thing about him now because his mum said that is that's not how it plays out in the real Did world. Did any of your fam- family ever get involved, directly involved, no. in protecting you from the no. flag? No, And there was plenty of flag. Yeah, of course there was. And I didn't care about it because the people that were throwing it to me were absolutely irrelevant. They weren't my peers. They weren't people that I particularly respected. They weren't people whose opinion I valued. So by definition, I took it on the chin because it may well have some substance behind it and it may well not. I do feel for her. I do feel for the scenario. But we are now getting... I mean, <laughs> it's not because I'm defending our pitch, Jim. No, the no, last I know thing what I'm you're saying. Media, I just, for the love of me, I cannot understand who Southgate and Zoe Maguire are talking about in the media. Because I really want them to be pointed at. I hope it's me. I hope it's someone like us. Because it says because then they can point to it. And we can turn around and say, oh... Actually, we better march off down to the church and repeal and repent our sins. One thing she might be saying is, look, lay off him because he's being over-scrutinised. I agree. And you can't argue with that. Hold on. The only time he's scrutinised is when people call him up for an England squad and he hasn't played. What do you expect? A pass? Now, if if, uh, Calvin Phillips should be getting the same observations. And by the way, he does. The only difficulty is, is what do you do about Manchester United fans that started booing their own captain. Whose fault was that? Where's the chicken and where's the egg in that particular scenario? Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. Harry's probably training this morning. Manchester United play Brighton on Saturday. I hope Maguire is selected. And I hope he plays a blinder. And I hope he plays a blinder, exactly. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. The 17th floor of the news building here at London Bridge is a bit more, Simon, like Oxford Street at the moment because, uh, to say the least of it, is congested. There is Spencer Oliver out there and massive people. We've got camera crews here in the studio because two fighters who go head-to-head next month, Lee Wood, the current world featherweight champion, and Josh Warrington, two times world featherweight champion, are going to fight it out in Sheffield. One of them is with us. Lee Wood, the other is somewhere out there in amongst a heap of uh, people in what's a very congested area. Lee Wood, you're welcome. Good afternoon to you. Afternoon, mate, you're right. Very good indeed. Mr. Jordan is here, Spencer Oliver is here, and we await Josh Warrington. But without him, we shall press on. How have preparations been going for this fight on October the 7th in Sheffield? It gets ever closer, doesn't it? Yeah, it's coming fast. Uh, three weeks Saturday. Um, I'm tired, constantly tired. Mm. <laughs> I'm working extremely hard. I'd be lying if I, if I, if I said I was fresh because uh, it's challenging. I just want to go to bed every single day, but um, I'm where I need to be and it's coming together. I mean, going into this fight, Lee, there's a lot of pressure on both of you going into this fight with the stages you're at in both of your careers. You know, you're you're now 35 years of age. He's 32 years of age. You've both been around a long time and for the loser, it's going to be a, a difficult road back. It really is. And there's... You know, it's been a rivalry oh, between oh, you two, and Spencer, I've actually said, haven't go. I? I've actually here said, what are you is. like? <laughs> what are you like with Josh Warrington? Because they've sat you both together, so I'm glad. That, <laughs> I'm glad that it's going to be it's all right, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll hold hands if you want. Like, no, no, I think we're, yeah. we're signed, so. Um... Yeah, yeah, but it's not like that. So I'm, I was saying, Josh, there's a lot of pressure on both of you going into this fight. You're coming off that loss to Lopez. This is a fight that you is a must-win fight for yourself and for you, Lee, at this stage of your career. So, big pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Um, but I think that's what makes his special athletes that deal with pressure. Um, I can't talk for Josh, but 
my best performances have been under a lot of pressure, especially in my mm. last fight. Incredible amount of pressure. If I'd have lost that fight with that fast turnaround, we'd look like idiots, you know. <laughs> we, we, we begged for that fight and, and, and stuck our heels in for that fight and, and the fast turnaround and everything. So there's a lot of pressure on that as well. So uh, that would definitely bring the best out of me. That was a huge gamble for you, by the way. Mauricio Lara, you know, winning the fight just three or four months before the return fight. To go back into it, the immediate rematch like that, was a huge risk. A risk that I thought was too much for you and I thought it was a silly, silly fight to take, but you proved me wrong and a lot of other people as well by winning that fight. Put yourself back at the top of the tree for you Josh you're coming off that loss close loss split decision to Marie, um, Lopez um, Alberto Lopez, Lopez yeah. and um, you know it's a must win fight for you now well, isn't Josh, it going in here Josh, fight you go, as well. before we go any further good afternoon good afternoon you've, you've, had, the t- <laughs> you've had the toilet break and then you've popped in here to join us it's great to see you how are you feeling I'm, I'm good mate it's my 17th toilet break this morning the water's going straight through me so uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm good it's good to be here um, talking about the fight and, and, and pressure yeah there's, there's always pressure mm-hmm. um, but I like it when my back's against the wall because in the last one it was coming up against this unknown quantity Luis Alberto Lopez no one really knew who it was it was just a case of Josh just get through this one again and then we start looking at the big unification fights again you know the talks of America comes up the talks against another of the champions comes up again the talks of the winner of uh, Lee and, um, and Larry came up again so for me I don't like him being in, in that position I like it when my back's against the wall I like it when people start writing me off and it sounds silly saying that because it's like I don't get up for normal fights but tell me I can't do it and there's just there's another bit of energy what yeah. comes out of it yeah. I, I, I love that especially you know what amazes, amazes me mm. we've got two fighters here in the studio Simon Lee Wood and Josh Warrington and they're both in to talk about a massive fight but the fight is him <coughs> against him yeah <laughs> and you would see the two of you, the two of them when when Josh came in and the handshake there was almost an embrace this makes me I, I am just baffled by how this can happen mm-hmm. that the two of you are sitting here smiling enjoying this and it's great having you both in the studio but on October the 7th it's all out war isn't it? Um, we know we, we know when it can't we know we need to switch on we know when we need to try and take each of each of his head off and it's not today mm. do you know do you know what? it's funny because so on his first press conference he released birthday and handed him um, a victoria sponge it cost me five five quid that did me. <laughs> so uh, i'll be, be invoicing you after but then uh, a week or so later i see i see one of the paul brothers and and dylan dallas chucking cakes at each other and all of a sudden it's trending and, I, and i'm thinking to myself Bloody hell, I think I should have started chucking cake at least, yeah. shouldn't I? I should, have got, no, I should have got Johnny Kebab to chuck up on the table. And, and but you, pull, do, you do and like each other. And, and pull you, Ben Davidson's table. There is a mutual respect here. Yeah, listen, is it? Jim, I, 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 had this, I had this respect with Carl Frampton, and we had the fight of the year after that. Mm. You know, I think it, we're proper boxing. It gets to a stage where we don't need the drama to talk crap to each other. We do it with ease. We do it with the mm. fists, you know. We're being amicable here. We're both fighting men. We've both got families. We're doing talking in the ring. Simple as that. Yeah, Josh, it, it is the ultimate gladiatorial sport, isn't it? And so each boxer gets the respect for the other boxer. You two have both had incredible careers, actually. And you both know what you're going into. Whatever way you look at this, whatever way you try and break it down and analyse it and, you know, and you think you know where, the way it's going to go, it's, it's tough whatever way. It's one of those fights, the flip of a coin. You know, everyone's going to have an opinion, but we'll only know as the fight, the first bell rings. And I think both of you know that and you've got that mutual respect for each other. 
Yeah, I think it, again, it's one of them things when you've when you when you've done it for for years and years and years when you've shared hard rounds in the gym, sacrificing so much. It's like the old school fellas of the the streets will tell you, you know, when you we battled with somebody, you shake the round after, and we've done it so many times. It's like, all right, if you start slagging me off, then and yeah, I'm going to give him it back. But there is that mutual because we've both come been for our chip mm. and come yeah. yeah. Well, you went in it just. Five minutes before, mate. You, so you didn't hear what he said five minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> this, but but this Lee's sitting here, mate, it. You, you presumably know and have a very good inkling as to what is going to give you the edge over Josh on the night. And you, Josh, have a very good idea of what's going to give you the edge over him. And, and you both know that, which gives you confidence, which makes you go into this fight bristling with confidence, knowing that you're going to win or that you're going to win. You know what you've both got. For sure. Sometimes you approach a fight knowing what you need to do. Um, game plans and, and all that. And like his fights in the past and my fights in the past, sometimes you get caught cold or you get caught with a certain shot and, and that just goes out the window. And that's one thing that sells his fight. You, sh you show me one fight when Josh hasn't come to fight. Not mm. one. You sh look at my fights. One fight I've not come to fight. Not one. This is what makes a great fight. For Boys, I have to say this morning, Simon was saying to me, woof. Warrington's in and Wood's in. This is a proper fight between mm. two proper fighters. You eagerly await it, don't you? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I'm not surprised that they're able to sit in the studio and hold a debate with one another because they're grown-ups, they're also professionals, they know what this is about, and they're respectful lads. You know, they, they share an opponent, a recent opponent in Laura, um, that will be able to gain and garner experiences. But this is a proper fight. It's mm. a difficult fight to pick. I know Josh is not going to like this, but I'm mm -hmm. slightly erring towards Lee. But what I do think is I think it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight between two proper fighters that have both been world champions and good world champions. Lee? Why are you leaning towards Lee? I just got this feeling that the momentum is with Lee and that this is his time. Now, I'm happy to be wrong because I like both boys and, I, and either one of them wins, I'd be very happy for. And Josh can take the energy from my opinion I for what it's worth. Keep it coming, yeah, Sam. Take keep the energy it coming. What it's worth. I need this, and man. You, you I, know. I, just think, I just think we're going to see a brilliant, brilliant fight. Yeah. And if it resembles the fights that they've both been involved in recent times, then this is a great shot in the arm for British boxing well, because it compounds the issues that are going on in other divisions by seeing two top-quality performers getting a proper fight on. What, what both guys can do is both guys have got that adaptability but both guys can bite down on their gum shields. That's why you know you've got a great fight because they're both going to come with a game plan and you know they're both going to and, and you know like Josh has like Josh has said and Lee has said he said listen you get you get clipped on the old Vera Lynn mate and, and that goes out the window and you've got to bite down and, and start having a, a real tear up and basically you know at some point this is listen looking in and, and looking at you two stylistically that will happen at some point. Both of you guys are just going to... You're going to end up locking horns. Yeah. And that's why we know we're in for a great I fight. Mean, Lee, this Lee, is a you, brilliant fight. Do you consider yourself slight favourite going into this? Um, I was, I, Obviously, I'm backing myself. I know what I need to do to win. I know what I need to do to make it look convincing. Um, I know what to... What, I know I know Josh so well. I've looked at this fight for years and years now and begged for this fight. So um, if I didn't know Josh by now, there'd be something wrong. Um, I know what I need to do to make this fight convincing win for myself here. Yeah. Mm. What do you want to say at this stage, Josh? Because Mr. Jordan, quite rightly, has said his say, just goes with Lee. I mean, as you said, bring it on, give me more, Simon, give me more of that talk. It fires you up more. Listen, I, I'm, I'm massively confident going into this one. Um, <laughs> you know, my last one, I can, you know, 
make any excuse uh, in the world, but I, I, I certainly wasn't as confident going into my last one as I am in this one. Mm. There's no way that I won't walk away victorious and be a uh, free uh, free time world champion on October seventh. I think I am that confident of it. I think I really that's am. I think that's why. The people lean towards maybe Lee at this stage is because you're going. You can only go off last performances yeah. and whatnot. You did look a little flat in your in your last fight against Lopez. Why I argue back with that, Spencer? Is um, dissect that fight and see who, mm. who finished the strongest. Yeah. You know, if I have my reasons for being slow in the first four to five five rounds, but. Who wanted it more towards the back end? Yeah, well, you know, that's so. your style, Josh, and you're all, that, that is the way you are. You will just keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger as the rounds go yeah. on, as does Lee. You know, that's why it's a great fight. But like I say, you just go on you just go on last performances or whatever, and you go, well, then the momentum will then be with Lee. But like you say, champions feed off pressure. Champions yeah. do that, and that's why I know we've got a great fight, because both of you guys sitting here, and the people that will be listening on the radio obviously can't see it, but both of you guys sitting here, you're sitting here with a smile on your face, and... and and it's not fake. I'm just going. Both these guys truly believe they've won this fight. They've got it. They, they've got it. And that's why we know we're in for a great one. Okay. Um, actually, they can. You you can see the two fighters, Josh and Lee, because if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, both of them in studio with us live this lunchtime, as well uh, as the many hundreds of thousands listening this lunchtime on Talksport. I've got to say this, Johnny, big fight fan. It is so good to hear two such great fighters. Talking sense this lunchtime. No garbage talk between either of them. There's a fellow, Lee. Lee, what a great character. I had the pleasure of being in Fortaventura uh, recently, being able to use the same gym as him. Uh, had a chat with him now and again. He's a top bloke, as is Josh. This is what the two of you are getting this lunchtime. Huge respect from the boxing public, and that's why we're delighted you're here. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.